Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. the Spirit in the life of a believer, the moving of the Spirit in the life of the church, the body of Christ, individually, collectively, and in every way. I believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost was part of God's great plan from the foundation of the world. It wasn't something that caught him by surprise. Because I believe that the Father is the one who plans. All three of the Godhead have a part to play in our redemption. The Father plans everything out. He draws up the blueprints. He's the mastermind behind it. Jesus is the one who came to carry, to actually work out that plan. That's why when he went to heaven, he said, I'm coming back. I've finished the work that you gave me to do. Now reinstate my glory. So in other words, when we talk about the finished work of Christ, we're talking about him doing everything that the Father instructed him to do. So what does that mean? The Father is the one who planned it. Jesus is the one who worked it out. But then thirdly, we have the ministry of the Spirit, who on the day of Pentecost, the advent of the Spirit, came to make it a reality. In other words, to make it a living thing in people's lives. Matter of fact, the work of Jesus that's already been done right now, it's already accomplished and achieved, can save every sinner on the planet. But they won't get saved if they don't come and accept him as Savior and Lord and allow the Spirit of God to recreate their spirits. So the third person of, of deity, the third person of the Godhead, what he has done, he has come on the day of Pentecost and he began to take the Father's plan and the works of Jesus to make them a reality in people's lives. Let's read the scriptures here in Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then go on down to verses 41 and 42, and here's what we read. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. What took place on the day of Pentecost was dynamic. It was something that was powerful, something that was transforming. And as a result of it, many wonderful things took place. We see their lives being transformed. We see them becoming prayerful. We see them being steadfast. We see them enjoying fellowship with one another. And we see them celebrating the Lord's Supper on a continuous basis. Now, who would have thought that on the day of Pentecost, just because people were empowered by the Spirit to pray with other tongues, 
would capture the attention of thousands of people there in Jerusalem on that day. Remember, they're in a city where they were rejected. Peter was afraid to even identify himself with Christ, but all of a sudden he stands up in power by the Spirit. Who would think that this manifestation of God's presence and power would capture their attention, empower Peter to preach the first gospel message ever? Can you imagine having that honor? Think about it. He's the first one to preach the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord. What an honor he had to be able to do that. And as a result of that, of course, 3,000 Jews gave their hearts to Christ. And they were born again and washed in the blood and baptized in water. And then once they got saved, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued fellowshipping with one another. They continued breaking their bread or communion with one another. In other words, they continued their belief. It wasn't just a fly-by-night thing. They completely threw themselves into the gospel message and dedicated their lives to serving their Savior. Even though they were persecuted along the way, even though they knew the danger of doing so there among all the Jewish people and the Judaizers and all that. But they were so convinced of the resurrection of Christ, praise God, that they didn't mind laying down their all to serve him. Now, God's manifested power is what broke through the layers of religious tradition that blinded these people's minds and prevented them from seeing Jesus as their Messiah. And remember, up to this place, all these people were not in favor of Christ. He was now dead and so on and so forth. I'm sure there were a lot of questions in their mind, but when Peter preached this powerful gospel message empowered by the Spirit, that message by the Spirit's power broke through the layers of religious traditions that blinded their minds and they couldn't see Jesus as their Messiah. But now all of a sudden, their minds are open. All of a sudden, he captured their attention. All of a sudden, by the power of the Holy Spirit, convictions upon them, all of a sudden, they're willing to throw it all at the feet of Jesus and lay everything at the cross and make him Lord of their lives. What's the point of this? No power. There's no breaking through the layers of religious tradition. No power. Doesn't matter how well you preach, you're not going to be effective in ministry. No wonder Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He knew it would take the power of the Spirit to break through the tradition. He knew it would take the power of the Spirit to get through to the skulls that we have, to penetrate the hearts that we have that were hardened before. He knew what it would take. And he said, you can't do this on your own. Ministry is not about you. It's not about your abilities. It's not about what you can do. You need the divine enablement and empowerment of the Spirit, the anointing of God, in order to do the work of God. So when people preach the Word of God and proclaim the truth of the gospel, if it's empowered by the Spirit, amazing things will take place. We think about the struggles that we face in life. We think about the challenges that we face in life and we try to set out, maybe do some things on our own. Beloved, we've got to be dependent on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We've got to be dependent upon the word that's been proclaimed and look to Him to do what? 
anoint the message, proclaim, proclaim so that we can experience what God desires us to have. If we try to do it on our own, we're going to fall short and find out it's our own strength and ability. It's not our powers that's going to enable us to accomplish the purposes and the will of God in our lives individually or collectively as a church body. It takes power from on high. That's what they needed, power from on high. That's what we need today is power from on high. When the church deviates from that and we try to come up with programs on our own, oratorical skills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, education and all that, it's not going to work. It takes power from on high to accomplish the purposes of God, which is why he said, wait until you're endued with power from on high. Look at Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 19 and 20. So then after the Lord spoke to them, he gave them the commission to go and preach the gospel. He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following a man. It took the power of the Holy Spirit. These two working together, the preaching of the word, the empowerment of the spirit coming together, a dynamic force that's transforming people's lives was created. And they came out of darkness into the light of the kingdom and many were delivered and set free. You see, the gospel message and the reason for the church is to minister life to people. It's not about a building. It's about building Christ into the lives of people. It's about the Holy Spirit moving upon the hearts of people, touching their hearts, opening up their eyes, enabling them to see the truth, to surrender their hearts to the King of glory. Jesus himself had to be empowered from on high. As a matter of fact, what was his platform? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty the bruised, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee when everyone receives back what the devil took from him way back in the beginning. Look in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Here we have his platform. Here we have his means by which he was able to do what he did. He was anointed from on high to preach the gospel. He was anointed from on high to do good and heal all that were oppressed of the devil. It was divine enablement, divine empowerment. And like he told his disciples, don't try to do it on your own, because if you do, you're not going to succeed. So Jesus was concerned about people then, and he's concerned about people today and his method hasn't changed it's still empowering people by his spirit to accomplish his purposes how do we know that he said it's expedient that i go away it's more beneficial or profitable for you if i go away because if i don't go away the holy ghost is not going to come but when he comes he's going to come in power dynamic things are going to take place he's going to convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment sin because they don't believe on him righteousness because I go to the Father. Judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. So it is he, the Holy Spirit, who moves upon the hearts and minds of people to bring this conviction, to transform their lives, to produce change in their lives. 
He, Jesus knows our challenges. He knows the thing we're facing even today. As a matter of fact, if we think he doesn't, we're wrong. He knows what we're going through. He knows our culture. He knows our society. He knows the minds of men. His methods haven't changed. We still need the empowerment of the Spirit from on high to absolutely transform human lives. Without it, it's not going to happen. It's up to us to yield ourselves to the Spirit so that He can move upon us, so that He can move upon people that are in need, so that He can transform lives, so He can work miracles and do everything that Jesus did when He walked on the earth. See, He wants to continue His ministry through us, just like He did through the early church. And like I said, His platform has not changed and will never change. He still wants to save the lost. He still wants to heal the sick. He still wants to set the captives free. He still wants to liberate people that are oppressed by satanic oppression, whether it's through drugs or alcohol or pornography or name it. doesn't matter what it is. He still wants people that are oppressed to be delivered and set free. It could be fear. It could be worry. It could be anxiety. Whatever it might be, he wants to liberate people. It could be overwhelming overwhelmed or overcome by grief and sorrow when we lost a loved one or have other things happen in our lives. He still wants us to rise up above it all and overcome. And I believe he gave us a classic example in the life of Samson. Samson reveals to us what it's like to be empowered by the Spirit and not be empowered by the Spirit. In Samson's life, let's, let's consider this. As long as the Spirit was anointing him and manifesting himself in his life, he was able to do amazing things, wasn't he? Powerful things, amazing things. He got to the point to where he thought, well, maybe I got a lot more to do this than what I think. And so he gave out a secret. And once he gave out a secret and he's lost his hair, what happened? As a mere man, what was he able to accomplish? It wouldn't matter what his statue is. He could have been the most muscular person on the planet. He could never do what he did when he was anointed and empowered by the Spirit. So it's important for us to recognize the fact that a shorn Samson can do nothing. But an anointed Samson did tremendous and amazing things for God. An anointed individual, in other words, can do amazing things for God. But if we try to act on our own, that's not going to happen. What we'll find if we try to act on our own is we'll be like a shorn Samson that's doing what? Blind, bound, and grinding at the mill of the enemy. In other words, you're under his control. And so that's why at the end he realized how wrong he was and said, give it to me one more time. Oh, just anoint me one more time. I want to sense your presence. I want to sense your power. I want to experience once again the thrill of being divinely enabled. And what happened? He did. And God honored that. And you know, at the end, what did he do? He was more destructive to the enemy than he was all throughout his life. Beloved, Every single one of us, individually and also as a church collectively, are in need of power from on high. These Wednesday night services are dedicated to that. And I'm believing God as we yield ourselves to the Spirit, He will begin a wonderful working of His might among us, in us, and through us. And I'm going to confess something to you tonight that I should probably have said a long time ago. One of the things that has really troubled me as far as being more yielded to the Spirit in our assembly, you know what it has been? What you're seeing up there right now. 
whether it's live streaming, going out to the public, I've had criticism because you can't pray in tongues and if it's not interpreted and all that. And so people out there calling, criticizing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what? I'm done with that. I want to shout it from the mountaintops. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We didn't ordain what took place on the day of Pentecost. We just studied it. And we found out that God is the one who initiated it with the Jews and with the Gentiles. And with all the intelligence that's out there, with all the people that think they're so smart and intelligent, even theologically and biblically, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, guess what? You're not going to change what God did. When they got filled with Holy Ghost fire, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Italians at Cornelius' house got filled with the Holy Ghost and power, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is a God thing. It's not a man thing. It's not something we fabricate. It's not something that we make up. We just believe it as it is. And I don't need theology to tell me what God did on the day of Pentecost or on the day of Cornelius and Peter's conversation. And then in Acts 19, it doesn't stop there. That's almost some 20 years later. Paul says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We've never heard of whether there be a Holy Ghost. He said, well, then what have you been baptized to? John's baptism. You need to get saved, man. You need to get washed in the blood of the Lamb, baptized in the name of Jesus. And when they were baptized, they came up out of the water. He laid hands on them, and they all began to speak with other tongues and prophesied, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Criticize all you want. We are a bunch of born-again, spirit-filled, faith-walking, tongue-talking, armor-bearing, love-practicing, devil-resisting, living epistles of the living Christ known and read of all men, and we are not ashamed of it. Hallelujah. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it real quick right now. My little girl, my firstborn girl, it's going to be 50 this year in November. Don't tell her I told you was lying there in a bloody pool and I grabbed a hold of her little lifeless body, limp body, I should say, laid hands on her and all I knew to do was pray in tongues as fast and as hard as I could. In the process of doing so, that girl got a miracle. 